Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It is Monday, January 22nd, 2024. This is another edition of Football Today. You know that dude from the Talking Giants world, Bobby Skinner. I am Chris Rose, producer Mikey, along for the ride as well. So we have now arrived safely at football's version of its Final Four Conference Championship Sunday, just a few days away. But boy, am I happy that three of the four divisional round games were great this weekend, dude. Yeah, specifically Bills Chiefs. I mean, anytime you see those two teams matching up, it's, I mean, it's a good game literally every single time. Uh, you know, maybe the best playoff game we've seen in a few years was in the last five years was that uh, divisional, the, the one that changed overtime rules. Yeah. Uh, in, in 2021. Uh, so good games, and I'm excited to talk about the Chiefs and the Bills and uh, and all of them. But that game in particular, I just you feel like we're watching where we're going to look back 20 years from now, and we're going to look at this Allen versus Mahomes type stuff and talk about it. Well, let's let's get to it. Where the Chiefs are now headed to their sixth straight AFC Championship game. Tyler Bass of the Bills missed a 44 yarder that would have tied it with under two minutes to go. Um, so now the champs are off to Baltimore and the bills are off to vacation. Are you surprised that Kansas city, which certainly took its lumps throughout the regular season is now off to yet another AFC title game? No. And, and, and Hey, they have, they, they are, have a team. They are a team with flaws, right? So super bowl, you still have to win two more games against, you know, two great teams and the Ravens are going to be a tough, tough matchup, a lot tougher than the bills in my opinion. But you have the best QB in the NFL. You have a top three all-time tight end uh, with a great head coach, the number two defense in the NFL. I know that they have their flaws, but there's not many teams I'm not picking them against in the playoffs. You know, specifically this this group has showed up big in the playoffs, been able to win in multiple ways. They are becoming what the Patriots were, where they are just put them in the conference championship. Are they going to win the Super Bowl every year? Are they going to go to the Super Bowl every year? No, but you can almost it's. It's a winning bet to slate them in the conference championship every year because they have that formula right there. Maybe not the defense every year, but you have the best QB in the NFL. Like, you're going to be able to beat other flawed teams. I thought yesterday was the best that their offense looked. Like, it felt like it just kind of hummed right along for the most part. In fact, they would have put up 30 if they hadn't given the ball to Miko Hardman. I, I don't know what we're doing. It's the one major flaw of Andy Reid, and it's really been consistent in how he's called football games. And it's so weird because he is really one of the most creative play callers that I, we've ever had in this game. But something happens inside the five or the 10 yard line with him, particularly in the running game. Like Isaiah Pacheco was killing them. And I know he had just won out of the game. Something happened. He tripped himself on that long run down the sideline. Okay, fine. There's five or six other people I would have put the, you know, the ball in the hands of before I picked Nicole Hardman. And if the Bills make that field goal and end up winning, right? Like the conversation is like, man, the two things yep. that we've said about the Chiefs this year is like, hey, can the wide receivers 
again, just not actively lose games, which Miko Hardman, you know, they didn't lose the other one, but had two fumbles on two touches he had in the game. Um, you know, that one again is a, is a huge the game's over if he gets that. And it's like we say with Andy Reid, like Andy Reid is the greatest coach of all time. If he just stopped getting cute and running, I know that wasn't like a real an actual trick play, but like you said, like, don't, don't get cute. Either let Mahomes drop back or hand the ball off. Like you, you don't need to do all this cute shit, especially down here. But yeah, it's, it's becoming like, a it's almost like a bit like how much the chiefs wide receivers actively try and screw things up for them. Uh, I will give the Chiefs a ton of credit. Uh, you know, I did I did pick them to win this game uh, on Friday's show. But, man, like I said, I, I didn't expect them to win when they held the ball for less than 23 minutes. I didn't expect them to win when they would give up almost 200 yards on the ground to the Buffalo Bills. But they did. Somehow they did it. And I guess the other side of this is what a huge missed opportunity for Buffalo. If you look at it, we didn't know 12 games into the year when they were 6-6 six and six if they were even going to make the playoffs. They end up running the table. They win the division. They earn the two seed, which guaranteed them two home games through the divisional round if they were fortunate enough to win the wild card. And they it felt like at times they totally outplayed the Chiefs, and they're going home yet again today. Yeah, I, I don't have like these big negative takeaways from Buffalo outside of Sean McDermott. Maybe let's not do the DeMar Hamlin fake punt. Right. And make a field goal. Like I, I like I thought Allen played awesome, right? He played what the defense gave him. What we've asked him to do is like don't try and be a hero, right? And and that's what he did. He took the safe bets, right? So he doesn't have a you know a ton of yards per attempt versus their blitzes. He took the outlets. And when he took the shots to get the big plays. He got let down, you know, the Stefan Diggs drop, right? Sherfield, like those aren't perfect passes that they missed, but man, they were they were catchable. Yep. He was their ground game, had 72 rushing yards and two touchdowns. Like, if you want to criticize Allen, it's about one play where, you know, he throws the ball on on that post where he could have thrown that ball to Diggs for like a five, six yard gain and had yep. third and short. Right. And I I would, right? Because I, I would say, hey, if you're gonna throw that, you gotta see you have a whole clean pocket in front of you slide to the right and then pull the trigger on that throw so i would i criticize Allen for that play absolutely but i'm not going to look at one play and say well that's you didn't show up big no his kicker missed the field goal um maybe the chiefs end up scoring anyways like i have i don't have any negative takeaways from josh allen he did what people asked him to do which is like not relax don't blow the game be patient and it, it ended up not working out they got beat well, it's now been an organization which has not reached the Super Bowl in three decades, and it's going to get infinitely more difficult because Josh Allen's cap number goes up to almost $50 million hit next year. We all know when that number goes up, other guys get left behind, and you're not going to be able to add as many free agents. It puts more pressure on your scouting department to get the the draft picks right and everything else. So, you know, it's hard to say when Josh Allen's in the prime of his career that a window is closed, but it might be closing. And so they're going to have to get creative, I think, with their team. Oh, they'll get creative moving Josh Allen, you know, changing Josh Allen's contract around too, obviously. Uh, to me, this just feels like that he is running into the better team, like consistently, right? I know the Chiefs have flaws, but the Bills also are a very flawed team. They're, yes. they're missing star players. Totally on right. defense, right? Like yep. when we were talking about them at their highest at any point this year, 
It was after that Dolphins game. And then they got hurt in that Jacksonville game in London, and everything changed for them. Uh, you know, I don't think they should stick with Joe Brady as the offensive coordinator. Uh, you know, I hope there's an improvement there. You could, Where are you at with Sean McDermott? Do you think it's like, is it time to part ways with them? Because I can be pushed, I could be swayed in either direction on this, where it's like maybe it's it's time to start afresh there, but also he's they've they've won every single damn year, even when Josh Allen wasn't as great as he was. How amazing would it be if Bill Belichick ended up in Buffalo? (laughs) Like, like you need somebody. It feels like you need somebody to push him over the finish line. And I don't know if it exactly reminds me of what happened in Tampa where Tony Dungy, you know, did an amazing job revamping that organization, getting young guys to believe in it. Um, the difference is, is that he never had an elite quarterback down there to work with, but they make the big trade for John Gruden. And what do they do? They end up winning the Super Bowl. Now, it's not exactly apples to apples here, but you could make the argument that we need we need a new voice. You can make the argument, right? But you also, hey, they've had good results. Um, but you, it's tough. They got to get the right offensive guy in there. Like, do you think they should stick with Joe Brady? Like, I, I think Joe Brady's done some good things. Yeah, I think he's fine. Dorsey didn't do, but I feel like there's also a lot left on the table. And they're, they also need to, like, get better players on offense, too, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like, Stefan Diggs is awesome, but basically that's their only, like, great player yeah on I offense think, with Josh Allen now the Chiefs on the other that, side can say well we only have Travis Kelsey and he's aging so I get it but like they, they, they could use a talent like you know addition in that wide receiver room or Kincaid Kincaid I think is going to develop into a pretty good player too mm-hmm. so they don't they're not full with bad players but you know there's there's a lot there's a lot of I mean the teams that are going to be playing you know, like the 49ers, like they have a, a lot more talent on that team. Um, so, so, but I, I don't have like these big negative feelings about Josh Allen, the Buffalo Bills after this game is my main point takeaway in all this though. Except that they lost. So let's move on to the team that won and up next for Kansas City is a date with the Ravens who outscored the Houston Texans by 24 points in the second half. Now it has to deal with Patrick Mahomes, slightly different animal there. But in my opinion, Kansas City better be careful here because Baltimore has blown out a ton of very good teams this year. Do you think that the Chiefs will be able to keep up with Lamar and company? Man, it's it's going to be tough. Like we're, we're talking about like Lamar played basically perfect in the second half out of that Jalen Peachy dropped interception. But the they they held the Texans to 3 points. You know, cuz the one touchdown was the right. was the return. They held they held them to 3 points. Like that's where I think this game should be talked about is their defensive performance, and then you have an offense on the other side where Lamar had two passing. T- like didn't have this huge game lighting it up in the passing game, but he was efficient. Had two passing touchdowns. You know the big play that Isaiah likely uh, in the second half. You know like the the one bad play was a drop Jalen Peacher interception, which could have changed the game. Actually, no, couldn't have changed the game, but could change the game in a matchup with the Chiefs. And then 100 rushing yards with two touchdowns. Like the Texans really had no answers defensively. Now Kansas City's better, but what I was saying with Mahomes and all of them is like like I'm picking them against flawed teams. The Ravens don't really have any flaws. Like Mm-mm. there's there's areas where they're not amazing, but they don't have flaws. They're awesome. <laughs> they're awesome right now. That defense is incredible. Um 
So there's going to be a lot of pressure on that Kansas City offensive line, particularly those two tackles. We don't know about Joe Tooney uh, as of the taping of this show. He's having an MRI on his chest. If he's not available because he's one of the better guards in the league, look out. Justin Matabike, who had a phenomenal season in the interior for Baltimore, is going to be licking his chops. It really comes down to this. The times where Lamar has gotten a little loose with the ball, particularly in the pocket, that's where other teams thrive. And they'll force turnovers there. And that, like, that's the one flaw of Lamar, in my opinion, these days. Like the rest of it, he's gotten down. He's become a much more accurate passer. He sees the field significantly better than when he first became a starter in this league. He doesn't just look at one, you know, one read and go. But man, he's going to kill you if you play man and you don't have a spy on him. And even if you do have a spy, he's probably going to outrun that dude anyway. So there's just so many facets of the game offensively, you know, when you have to deal with Baltimore, because now they got enough playmakers on the outside that they can trust. And then defensively, I've never seen a team dominate a playoff game the way the Ravens did without a sack. They didn't have one single sack, and they still just thrashed the Texans. Yeah, I think that was a big credit to C.J. Stroud, the way he's able to operate in the pocket. is really beautiful, the way he's able to avoid pressure. Obviously, he didn't have this great game or anything, but I think we all look at him as, you know, next up on on these quarterback lists. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Lamar, Lamar's, like – has what that offense wants out of him down, right? And knows when to take the shots. You know when, hey, I'm going to throw a ball to Isaiah Likely, even though he's covered, and I'm going to let put it in a place where he can go up and get it. Like, he's really beautiful just dropping it in the bucket for those guys. And then anytime the Texans rush four, he ran, right? So he's playing within, like, structure of that offense and playing really well. He's going to be the MVP. He's, uh, you know, he's he probably won the MVP this year. Um they're just not flawed, and I just I think the Chiefs are going to have a hard time on offense too, right? Like you got to you got to play perfect against that Ravens defense, and I don't know if the Chiefs are capable of doing that. Uh, we'll talk about much more of that game coming up on Friday's uh, edition of Football Today. But let's shift on over to the NFC, where Detroit is now off to its first NFC Championship game in 32 years. They took care of Tampa. A lot of people thought that the Lions could win the division, but now they are 60 minutes of football away from their first ever Super Bowl. What has gotten them this far? Coaching and all-out buy-in from their players who show up in big moments. I mean, it's it's like anytime they needed a big play, there was a great play call used. And, you know, their players, like, showed up big like, to me, right? Whether it's a Monroe, St. Brown, Gibbs, you know, even, you know, and then, like, you know, having the Brock Wright third and one leak play for a, a big play, right? They're, they're blocking tight end. I remember they used that last year against the Jets, which ended up scoring a touchdown after they traded Hawkinson. You know, the, you know, going for it on fourth down for a Craig Reynolds touchdown. You know, that first touchdown of the game where the offensive line protects up, you're able to clear out that middle of the field and get, um, you know, uh, you know, Josh Reynolds on a dig route. Like, they just all step up in big plays. And they know what to call in the right times. It's the draft. They have nailed the draft the last three years, unlike any group I can recently remember. You know, like the Seattle Seahawks, I think they've done a nice job with the last couple of drafts. What Brad Holmes and his personnel group have done, starting in 2021, when he joined forces with Dan Campbell, you know, that was the Amon Ross St. Brown draft where they got him. 
and then look at what they've added. This year, their first four picks, studs, studs. I mean, we laughed at Holmes's reaction when he drafted Jameer Gibbs. We're like, what are you doing, dude? And he acted like he just freaking won the division title. And guess what? He did. So he gets Gibbs. He gets Jack Campbell with his second first-round pick. They get um, Brian Branch. Sam Laporta. And then Sam Laporta. I mean, that's um, if you get that over three drafts, if you get those four guys over three drafts, you're going to be like, oh, we we killed it. They got them with each of their first four picks last season. And you're right about the buy-in, man. You hear it in every interview, these guys. At, um, the last two weeks on NFL Network, we've had our reporters interview Taylor Decker and Frank Ragnow, two pieces of the offensive line and two of their most veteran players in terms of guys that have been there the longest. And they have both said the same thing, that Dan Campbell is far and away the best leader that they've ever been around. And we we do buy in. Yeah, it shows up. Like, it's every big moment they like, trust that they're going to be in the right place and then they're able to make plays. Um, you know, and, and you talk about the draft. Like, even like – they just do so many different things, and they they know what you're gonna like expect. Like Penny Sewell, right? Like that that draft pick doesn't get talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. They had the left tackle and Taylor Decker. It wasn't the sexiest pick in the time. People wanted them to you know tra- you know draft Justin Fields, blah blah blah. Get you know get get a wide receiver. Nope, they went and got Penny Sewell, and he, excuse me, he allows them to do so many things, right? Where they like that play where they pulled him, mm-hmm. and the ed, the end goes to crash in like you're taught to do and he just goes outside and they bounce it out they do that all the time and then if you start playing that well then he's going to kick you out and they're going to be able to get the run inside so they're able to have like a diverse run game had over five yards a pop they all are just like they understand like i think they do a good job of teaching the why there which a lot of times coaches they just teach you what to do but they don't teach you the why once you start learning the why behind things it really changes how you do things as a player, and you see it consistently show up, right? And then I, I can't talk enough about Amon Ross St. Brown. It's just anytime there's a third down, they can go to this guy. You know, the the touchdown drive that where he had the touchdown, there was a third and fifteen. You knew they were going to Amon Ross mm-hmm. St. Brown. You know, but he's just so detailed in his route running. He's not the fastest guy in the world. He's not the biggest guy in the world, but he's so detailed, so well coached, understands everything he's trying to do. And they just can they've done it, they've done it two games in a row where they just go to him on Ross St. Brown on third down and he converts. The whole defense knows it's happening, yet they're still able to convert because they know like they know the why behind the what. Well, the why is also something else that we've talked about on this show with Dan Campbell. There's these great social media clips. And I'm not just talking about the biting kneecaps and you know, all that sort of stuff. I'm talking about when he is coaching, and you talked about going to one of their training camps and seeing this, you know, in person where he is explaining to the guys, he's like, guys, I wish I didn't have to put pads on you right now. Like this is, by the way, this is a head coach that spent a decade as a backup tight end in the NFL. So he, when he speaks, it does carry more weight in my opinion. Like guys, I wish I didn't have to put pads on you. I know how much it sucks, but I'm doing this for us. I'm doing this so that we can be better so that we will be ready to go week one not week six or seven like some other teams that are still getting used to hitting. Like, we need to do this, and here's why we're doing it. And so that is also, in my opinion, part of the why 
And that's something that he can do that a lot of coaches cannot. Yeah. And like, you, I agree where it's like, not, not everyone can pull that off, but again, like it's just like you, you say that story and that may get brushed over if this team lost in the first round, but that's, that's like a, that's huge right there. Being able to like, like coaches nowadays are kind of afraid to be hard on their players because they think of their own job security and I don't want to lose this. And if this goes bad, I don't want the players, you know, uh, you know, turning me on me on this where Campbell's been able to do that, you know, went through a couple, you know, went through a really bad season. And then last year where they turned it on, they were really bad to start the year, right? They kept on losing games at the end of the games because their defense going to stop anything. So just being able to like build the culture, relate to those guys and get the most out of them. I mean, it's shown up, right? And it's why they've been able to have rookies come on and produce from day one, right? Even little shit. Like I remember talking with someone that worked with the Lions down there. And some of their rookies were making some good plays on one on ones, and they're like, "Nah, don't put it on social media. Like, I don't want, I don't want their heads getting too big. I want them focused on getting better the next day. Hmm. Like, it's cool. It'll do you guys numbers on. So, it's, I know it's making hard to do your social media job, but like, I don't, I don't want Jamar Gibbs cooking Bobby Okereke on a one on one out there. I want him focusing on the next play and not retweeting that and all. It's stupid, stupid stuff like that, but it's translated for them. Interesting." Four teams, one goal. Make it to Las Vegas in just a few short weeks. With all eyes on the prize, we've teamed up with DraftKings, an official partner of the NFL, to get you in on the action. Right now, new customers who bet just $5 will get $200 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings app now and use promo code FOOTBALL today. Wondering what you can use your $200 in bonus bets on? Combine multiple bets together from the same game. For a shot at an even bigger payout. Sports betting is not yet available in your state. Not to worry. You can still join in on all the fun with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports. Download the DraftKings Sports app now. New customers use promo code FOOTBALL today. Bet just $5 on any wager and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. That's promo code FOOTBALL today. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You'll be glad you did. So now up next, a date with the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, This one will be out by the Bay. The Niners, they needed a last-minute touchdown from Christian McCaffrey on Saturday night to avoid the upset against Green Bay. Overall, I would say an ugly win, but it is a win nonetheless. How worried should Niners fans be? This is tough because they were able to, like you said, have those big plays at the end, have the game-winning drive, pull it out. It was in the rain, right? So that has to account for something, specifically with Purdy, who can struggle with accuracy. I mean, you got blown out by the Ravens, you know, a month ago or whatever it was. Do you feel any better about a rematch with them? Because that's essentially what we're talking about. Like, yeah, do I, am I going to pick them over the Lions? Yes. But again, they are a Super Bowl or bust type of team. Um, and I, I don't feel like they are running on all cylinders where everything is just easy for them, which it has looked like in uh, other times this year. Yeah, in the middle of the year, we in when it came to the NFC, we were like, "Oh, let's circle the date for Week 13 to figure out if the NFC Championship game is going to be in San Francisco or Philadelphia." And boy, oh boy, Philly just fell right off the train, and San Francisco has kind of limped toward the finish line. You know, Week 18, they didn't play Purdy; they played a couple of their guys just to keep them fresh. But you know, it was kind of a watered down game and they ended up losing at home to the Rams and we didn't think much of it at all because the Rams rested their starters and then they have the bye and then they go against a red hot Green Bay team and that was there for the taking for Green Bay I mean it was right there 
They dropped two interceptions, one which easily could have been another pick six for Darnell Savage. I, I mean, the Packers are going to look back and say, yeah, you know what? We found our franchise quarterback. We've got this wonderful young receiving staff that's all growing up together. But damn it, we should be playing next week at Detroit. But I, I know that that's the way they're feeling, and I can't argue against it because really, I don't know how the Niners escaped with a win. Yeah, and like you said, it was some Packers mistakes, you know, missing that field goal. Um, which, by the way, how is that field goal kicker in the NFL? Like, why was he drafted? I, someone posted his stats from Auburn. Yeah. They're not good. I don't. I don't know what happened there. Um. Yeah, the the Packers have to like feel devastated on that. Like, I know we're talking about the 49ers. Do you feel better about Jordan Love after watching these playoffs? Because mm-hmm. I, I, I I do. Right, I totally. still, you know, there, I think there's still some steps to go, but I, I thought he did pretty well. I know the last interception was really bad. Yeah, horrific. But, you know, horrific. You can't it's... make that throw ever, but particularly on first down, you just can't do it. And but once again, the Niners. It was interesting. I thought that Maurice Jones-Drew, whom I did the uh, game day final with last night, made a great point. He said Detroit is built almost exactly the same way that the Niners are. Right, they. They love being physical up front. They both have a pass rusher that, you know, you need to slide protection to. They both have quarterbacks that have something to prove, although they were picked at opposite ends of the draft spectrum. One went first overall, one went last. Uh, But they're both kind of counted out, if you will, a little bit. He said, Amon Ross St. Brown has a very Debo-ish feel to him. Jameer Gibbs has a... He's like Christian McCaffrey light in his ability to run between the tackles, break it outside, and catch passes. He said, so they just feel like they're built similarly. And I'm not so sure that the offensive and defensive fronts right now of the Lions aren't playing better. Certainly the offensive line is. That's yeah. where I would be most concerned if I were the Niners. We we talk about Trent Williams, and he's an easy gold jacket guy. The rest of that line stinks right now. Yeah, and I mean they, you know, they're have the guys who went out and they're just not playing well at all. And you saw it show up, <clears throat> saw Purdy rush some stuff, and that middle of the field, man, like it just keeps on showing up, like as being like baiting Purdy into bad decisions, right? And the, yep. you, like you said, you had the drop Darnell Savage interception, um, and then some other bad throws by Purdy. Um, this is like. A month ago, if you told me 49ers Lions, I'm picking 49ers easy. Now it's right. like again, you you have you just have questions about the 49ers that didn't show up until like kind of now, right? Like even losing to the Ravens, I think is a, a worse look than this playoff game where you have more questions about them. Yep, you do. Once again, we'll break down the championship games coming up on Friday's show. Uh, before we get out of here for the day. Um, what a difference six days makes for Jason Kelsey, right? He was crying on the sidelines after the Eagles lost to Tampa. There were the rumors of a retirement, which he refuted at this point. But then we saw him on Sunday up in Buffalo supporting his brother in the box, in the suite, shirtless, crushing beers, jumping into the stands, having fun the whole bit. Uh, what do you think would happen if you hung out with uh, Jason Kelsey for a couple of days on a bender, um, ten years ago, I I could probably outpace him. Now, I would be I, the first day I'd be fine, and then now the second day I'm like, yeah, this is why I don't I don't do this type of stuff 
anymore. Who else can ingratiate themselves with people like Kelsey? Like, was hanging out with Bill's Mafia and then goes into a box with Taylor Swift and all you know, all the all the stars and famous people in there. Uh, how about the athleticism at the end, where he just hurdles right back into the suite? Like, okay, I see you. They're a thirteen-year veteran, just kind of hopping up there, no problem. It is amazing what uh, I mean. You would love to hate a guy like that if you were the Bills fans. Like, you turn around, you're like, okay, he's hanging out in his suite. He's cheering for his brother, a guy we can't stand the whole bit. And here he is just kind of hopping out. And you're, you're like, oh, he he's almost one of us. I mean, he was literally just out in the parking lot Will's Bill, with in their tailgates with Bill's yeah. Mafia. Yeah. Um, it, that's, that's a powerful, like, trait is being able to just ingratiate yourself mm-hmm. with – all crowds, you know, become all things to all, all people. And by the way, just for the record, I wouldn't make it one day. I'm impressed that you think you could have outdone him. I, see, I don't like talking about this stuff because like I'm bragging about being like a bad person yes. than what I used to be. Yeah. But back in the day, we used to go hard for like I mean, we literally just went on bender. So yeah, back in the day I could now. Now anytime I ever get drunk, I'm like, okay, yeah, that's why I don't like to do it anymore. Mm. And I don't do it for like three more months. Yeah. Well, wait till you hit that age where, you know, it's like 10 o'clock and you're like, oh, God, I got to go to bed. Just wait for that. It'll it'll be coming. How old are you? 32 today, actually. Today? Yeah. No shit. Happy birthday, Bobby Skinner. 32? Yes, sir. Isn't your birthday this week, too? I remember you saying it was uh, close, yeah. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. At the end of the week. That's awesome. What, what, what are we doing for your birthday other than doing football today? Uh, working, and then uh, you know we're going to go out to dinner tonight and, and maybe go see a movie or something. We got My brother's birthday is two days is on the 24th, and then his son is the 26th. So we, we, get, we did a little get-together last night with the family. Oh, so that was kind of nice. like a, a joint birthday party thing. Well, that's awesome! Happy thirty-second birthday. So, what you know? Do you feel any different, or is it, are you now at the age where it's just like, yeah, whatever? Well, now it's, it was always like once you hit thirty, you're like, man, like I hit the thirty number, right? And now it's just like a countdown to forty, mm-hmm. which is you know, that's yeah. that's the point I'm at. Now. Like, when am I? Like, I'm still youthful, yeah. But like, it's not going to last forever. That's where I'm at now. No, no, no you're still like thirties and forties are great. 30s and 40s are awesome because you could still have fun, but you have just enough of a restrictor plate on your life to realize you're not going to go off the road and be a complete moron. And then, you know, there's a lot of fun stuff still ahead for you. And you, physically, you feel well enough where you could still go to the gym and go run if you want to and go play all your sports and all that sort of stuff. Like mid 40s, all of a sudden you're like, okay, that never hurt ever before and that that sort of it just drives you nuts you wake up in the morning you're like i didn't do anything but sleep and i'm achy yeah <laughs> yeah see i'm not i'm not looking forward to to that at all yeah that, that's coming but let's not let's not talk about that because it's your birthday it's your birthday i think that's awesome get something Thank nice you. for yourself at the uh, john boy media gift shop well uh jimmy and jake will pay for it okay i will get uh I don't think they're gonna pay for it though, so I'm not gonna. Even, I'm oh. not even gonna joke and say I'm anything. I, the, you know what? The listeners should get something from the the, the John Boy Media gift shop. It's uh, shop.johnboymedia.com if you're looking for something. It's uh, you know, it's not just for the gift giving season. You can get it all any time of year. We always have great great apparel out there.
that simple. Well, happy birthday, my friend. Go celebrate, Thank all you, right? Sir. All right. Uh, for producer Mikey and the birthday boy, Bobby Skinner, continues to kick butt with Pennock in the Talking Giants world. I am Chris Rose. We will see you Friday on Football Today.